You're listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I'm Pastor Josh. I would like to invite you to embark with me on a journey, a journey of biblical study. Through practical application of the Word of God, it is my prayer that you grow in greater relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Please join me as we journey to the next Stepping Stone of Faith. You see, God is still on the threshold of this nation. And God has given us a reprieve to judgment in this nation, but we are still spitting in the face of God with the way this nation is going. Turn in your Bibles with me, if you would, to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 is right after the book of Acts. It's the Gospels, then Acts, then Romans. Right after Acts. Romans 1. Starting in verse 26. 126. Romans was written by Paul in 57 AD, AD 57. And this first chapter, Paul's deal, Paul deals with the, the sin of the Romans. His basic outline of this book is proving to them that they need a Savior. So as we look at 26, following down to the end of the chapter, we'll get into that. So let's go ahead and read. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Their women exchanged the natural function of, of, for what is against nature. Likewise, the men leaving their natural function of the woman burned in their lust towards one another, men with men doing that which is shameful, and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to a debased mind to do, to do those things which are not proper." They were filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, proud, boastful, inventors of evil things, and disobedient toward parents without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection, calloused and unmerciful. You who are righteous, you who the righteous requirement of God, that those who who commit such things are worthy of death. They not only do them, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this word. Lord, it is a harsh word, but it is your word. It is not my opinion, it is your word. Father, I pray that you would bless this time, bless this word, and Lord, we thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. 
Now, when you study God's Word, I want you to understand that when you study God's Word, God's Word isn't always all good stuff. There is also punishment with the blessing, and this is a, this is a uh, picture of the punishment that comes as well as the blessing. And if we, as we read this chapter, we, we see a lot of mirroring of America today. You can place 2019 America on top of this chapter and say, yep, 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 yep. Because a lot of it that's, that happens here, that happened here is happening now. And if you look back at history, what happened to the Roman Empire? It is gone. God said enough, and it's gone. If America does not change its ways, America will be gone. Of course, we know in the book of Revelation, America is not mentioned. So America at some point is gone. And I'm thinking, and from studying the book of Romans as I do, and praying and seeking God, I think this is part of the reason where history is repeating itself in 2019 that was back in A.D. 50s some sort of time. This was written in A.D. 57, but this was going on prior to that. So A.D. 50s, this was going on. God said enough at some point and got rid of the Roman Empire. And America is swiftly becoming on the chopping block. And as citizens of this country, we need to repent. As individuals, we need to repent. As individuals, we need to put ourselves before God and say, God, if, I, if there's any wrong in me, forgive me. Our national leaders need to go before God in repentance. Our congressmen need to go before God in repentance. We need to, as a nation to go before God in repentance. We see this in the book of Jonah. They were like this too. Now, not as bad as the Roman Empire, but they were bad. When confronted with their sin, what did they do? They bowed before God in repentance, and God spared them. God spared them. My prayer is that the church would rise up as Jonah rose up to the Ninevites and change the things. I think I didn't say Ninevites before, but it was the Ninevites that repented. But we need, to, we need as a church to stand up. We need as individuals to stand up. And it's one thing to say something, to make a stance with our words, but it's totally different when we make a stance with our lives. And what I mean by that is when we say we are a Christian, when we say we stand up for Christian beliefs and Christian values, our actions, excuse me, back up our words. What we do backs up what we say. Who we are backs up what we say. So we can't say that I'm a Christian and you shouldn't drink and then go out on Friday and go drinking. 
We can't say that abortion is wrong, but a woman has a right to choose. You see what I'm saying? We can't say those things. If we're a believer and we believe in the doctrines of the Bible and we believe that murder is murder, abortion is murder, then we stand up and we say it's murder. God has a plan for every life, no matter how it was brought into this world. If there was no plan, it wouldn't have happened. See, it's that simple, and people don't think about that. But it's that simple. If that person was not meant to be pregnant, they wouldn't be pregnant, because God wouldn't have allowed it. You see? But see, there's this dynamic of God not being in control of anything. We are in control. And that's utterly false. That is the doctrine of the new age. God is in control. And so Paul, this, this whole um, second part of this chapter, third part of this chapter, speaks to us today. Paul's words are just as valid today than they were in A.D. 57. For this reason, he says, for this reason, which was all of them wanting to do things themselves, wanting to be, do their own thing. For those reasons, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For that reason. It's like when we ask God for, some, when we ask our mom for something, I used to do this all the time, and she'd finally say, okay, whatever. And then if I got hurt, then it was on me. Okay? You did it. It's your choice. That'll learn you. You know, that's what we used to say. But, and God did the same thing here. They wanted this. They wanted it. They wanted it. God said, okay, here you go. You can have it. And he goes on and he says, For this reason God gave them up for dishonorable passions. Their women exchanged the natural function for what is against nature. In other words, they were having relations with one another and not the opposite gender. Likewise, the men leaving their natural function for a woman burned in their lust toward one another, men with men, doing that which is shameful and receiving in themselves the, the due penalty for their error. So it did not go unnoticed by God. They received their due penalty for their actions. The Bible says that those that are like this will not inherit the kingdom of God unless they repent and turn from their wicked ways. And some people would say to me, well, then you're categorizing homosexuality as a, the worst sin ever. No, I'm not. Sin is sin. Unrepented sin of any sort ends you up in the same place. It ends you up in, in eternity apart from God in hell. Liars, listen. You don't have to be anything worse than a liar. The Bible says there's a special place in hell for those people. Liars. 
That's it. People who don't tell the truth. Not to mention murderers and rapists and all of those things. God says that. So all sin is wrong. All sin is wrong. If the person that is in the homosexual lifestyle repents and turns back to God, God forgives them just like he, would, like he forgave me. Refer back to the prodigal son story. He wanted everything. Wanted his inheritance. He wanted to go spend it. He wanted to live his life. He didn't want to be on the farm anymore. He bugged, he bugged his father so much that his father said, okay, go. Same thing he's doing here. We don't want to be part of this. We want to do our own thing. Romans, we want to do our own thing. We want to do our own thing. God said, okay, here you go. The prodigal son came back, and God received him. And God's plea and God's desire that these that are spoken of in Romans 1 would turn back and say, God, I'm not worthy to be your son, but I'll be a servant. And God take them back. One of the things here that strikes me and that struck me is not all the list of all of this. Because there's a list of things. 28 down almost to the end. It says, you know, they were filled with unrighteousness. And it says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them order to the debased mind to do those things which were, were not proper. They were filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, and all that list. But here's what really strikes me. Or 32, to the end. Who know the righteous, let's see, it says, uh, where's the sentence beginning? Um, 31, without understanding, covet, covet breakers, without natural affection, carouse, callous and unmerciful, who know the righteousness requirement of God, that those who commit such things are worthy of death, okay? Now, Listen to what this thing says. They not only do them, but also give hearty approval for those who practice them. Now, misery loves company, right? What's our, what's our current state in our nation right now? Well, if you look, yeah, if you look, if you look at our nation... What's the approval rating of sin in our nation? It's very high. It's very high. You see, the church has fallen asleep. The church of God has fallen asleep. And you know that old saying, when the cat's away, the mice will play. When the church is not in the forefront of society then the mice will play. And sin will run rampant. You see, God is still on the threshold of this nation. And God has given us a reprieve to judgment in this nation. But we are still spitting in the face of God with the way this nation is going. 
it strikes me when it says that they approve of those who are doing these things. If you look at our news today, if you look at our society today, the approval of those who do such things is very, very, very high. That is a recipe for disaster for our nation. And it would to be for that God, to God, that the church of God, the pastors of this country would stand up and say, no, this is wrong, regardless of the repercussions of those statements. And I'm here to say that it's wrong. Now, I'm live on Facebook, and I go on YouTube, and people watch this, and I might get some hate mail. Doesn't change the fact that it's wrong. Doesn't change the fact that this nation has forgotten their God. Doesn't change that at all. And there are people and thought patterns and schools of thought that are allowing this to continue. And unfortunately, some of the church is in the part of that. I was watching a show. I like to watch a show called Ancient, Ancient Aliens. You ever seen that show? It's preposterous, but it's, it's fun. It's totally preposterous, totally whatever. And I watch it just for the sheer crazy eye looks that, that the panelists give, you know, that actually believe in aliens, you know. But there are, there are, in one of the shows that I was watching, there were priests, Catholic priests, who were denouncing the Bible. They were denouncing the miracles of God and saying they were alien origin, ancient alien origin, like the parting of the Red Sea and, the, and you know, how, um, <clears throat> well, I forget who it was now, went up in the fiery chariot, Elijah, went up in the, Elijah on the fiery chariot. They said that was an alien ship and it was this pastor, this priest saying that. And so if you think about how far we have fallen in this nation, I can remember as a child, no, I, I was born in 74, so we're talking 75, 76. We lived in St. Anne, and, and that, they, had one, they, have, they have a few churches, but we went to the Catholic Church. And every Sunday, man, that whole town between X, X a.m. this time to a.m. this time, most of the town was in a church somewhere in that town because that's just the way it was. Now, we don't have that. People disregard God, disregard his people, and disregard his church, disregard the, his relationship for things that are unnatural. God, God help this nation. See, these things happen when you have these kinds of descriptions happen when you put God behind you. 
you're filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliceness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, gossips, slanders, God-haters, insolent, proud, boastful, inventors of evil things and disobedient toward parents without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection, callous and merciful, who, who know the righteous requirement of God and those who commit such things are worthy of death. When you forget God, this is what happens to you. And this nation has forgotten God. And therefore, this is what's happening to this nation. This is what's happening to this nation. I believe God desires for his children to come back. But he's not going to make them. He's not going to make them come back. They will be given up to their reprobate minds and pay the consequences if they choose not to repent. We must repent. We must. I heard a story years ago of um, a missionary. <clears throat> His mom was in the hospital on her deathbed. His mother didn't follow the Lord. He was a missionary, loved Jesus. But his mother was on her deathbed. She didn't follow the Lord. She didn't have any need for Jesus. And when she died, I'll make a long story short, she was going into eternity and she started screaming how bad she was burning. She felt like she was on fire. She was burning. She was burning. Oh my gosh, she's burning. I'm on fire. Somebody stop the heat. Somebody stop the fire. And then she died. He said, right then and there, my family and I made sure we were right with God and repented. That's a real, real thing. And if we know people that are in this type of mentality, we ourselves must be pure before God to show God the true God, the true Jesus before them. Because they're going to have to make their own decision. We cannot make it for them. We cannot make it for our children. We cannot make it for our family members. We cannot make it for our friends or our workmates. We cannot make their decisions for them. But we have to be right with God. And we have to show the true Jesus and the true God to them. Number one, that starts with making sure we're right with God. That means we go before God every day and we say, God, if there's anything in me that is, un that is not right, that is not good, take it away and make it, make it better. I repent every single day that God would shine through, that the Lord would shine through us. And then as we go out, then we present ourselves to God and say, God, use me whatever you would like to use me. And then be open to that. Be open to that kind of thing. Allow God to use you in ministry outside of your home, outside of this building. Show the true Jesus to those around us. We're not going to change anybody's mind. 
We're not going to change anybody's mind. God will have to do that. But we have to be willing to be his instrument of love, his instrument of, of compassion, his instrument of forgiveness and grace. Not everybody's a Christian. Not everybody's going to act like a Christian when you're around. That's why it's important to give those types of things to those around us. This nation's going down the tubes very fast. Very fast. And we know that. We can see that. We can see the arguing and the fighting and the, and, the, and the accusations and all these things in the news. We see that and we understand that the world is going down the tubes. Our nation is going down the tubes. And what our nation needs is a fresh filling of God. A fresh infilling from God. We need a revival, a true revival. Not one where we schedule the meetings and say, we're going to have a revival from Friday to Saturday or Friday to Sunday, but a true revival that starts in our hearts and spills over to those around us. That's what this nation needs. Would to God that all the pastors in this nation would pray for national revival among its people. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven and heal your land. That's true. That is true. God will heal our land. But we must humble ourselves before God. And we must be a picture of humility to those around us. You know that grace and that mercy and that, that we're supposed to show? We're supposed to be humble too. We're supposed to affect those around us, not be affected by those around us. So... In all of this today, I hope I wasn't too harsh. I hope I didn't come across as harsh. But I believe in speaking the truth. We need God. This nation and the people in it need God. I need God more every day than I do today. I need God. And I think if we're all honest, we could all say, yes, I agree with you. I need God. This nation needs God. This nation needs repentance. This nation needs revival. And you know what's really nice about that? Really cool about that? It could start with us. It could start with Claytonville United Brethren. Little body believers committed to pray and repentance. It could spill over to those we have contact with. And it could just be like a ripple effect. Ripple effect of grace, a ripple effect of repentance, a ripple effect of revival in our nation. We don't have to run to different revival meetings. 
We can have one here, but we have to repent. We have to pray. We have to spend time with God. We have to to come together as believers. We have to apply that which God has put into our heart in order for revival to come. Revival always starts with prayer. So we need to pray. Amen. Does that make sense? Can we commit to more prayer? Can we commit to pray for ourselves, our families, those that we are around mostly? God will honor it. God will honor it for sure. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, help us to be a light in the darkness of our county, of our state, and our nation. Help us to see others as you see them. Help us to love others as you love them. Help us to be more like you every single day. Give us a hunger for your word. Give us a desire for your presence. And Lord, give us a desire to pray. Lord, that revival would start. And Lord, we thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. God is good. Next week we'll be in chapter 2 of Romans. And chapter 2 continues, begins our responsibility to those around us. So read ahead if you want to. You don't have to, but you can. And uh, God will bless you. So God bless you today. Thank you for being here. God is good. We know that. We say that every week multiple times because it's true. But he is good. Don't forget tonight, 7.30 if you're able, Facebook Live, Bible study. We're getting a pretty good group every week, um, so it's starting to grow a little bit, so God's good in that as well. So, with that being said, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Help us to be more like you, and Lord, we thank you. Give us a good day today. Bless us and keep us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.